Parry Talks, welcome back. Episode 31. It's been a long ride. And I don't know, you guys might, you guys and girls might think that I've had some legends on Parry Talks yet or some OGs, I guess you could call them. Um, but I think this is one of our, and I'm probably forgetting someone that's like an obvious OG. And then, oh, <laughs> jokes. Ryan Powderly is an OG. But we've got another OG on today. The man, the myth, the legend, Joe Carey. Welcome to Parry Talks. Hey, thank you so much for um, giving me the, the ranking, the title. <laughs> OG, much appreciated. <laughs> it's weird. We don't have like a, in electronic music, there's no like in hip hop or, you know, pop, you can call someone like a legacy artist. And mm. in hip hop, it's like OG or like a like golden era artist. In electronic music, I think it's, there's no real term. No, or like I think of it as my mind goes to the 90s, like for anyone I would like sort of place in that category. But now, like, yeah, it's been enough time. (laughs) Got to start including more recent people. I feel like, especially in electronic music where the trends, I don't want to say trends, but the the sounds shift so quickly with like technological developments and the way commercial Mm -hmm. radio and that sort of things embrace electronic music. So I think... Anyone with a more than five-year run in electronic music, I think, is doing something yeah, somewhat special. And I think people should be like, and I'm not, I'm not <laughs> saying this to like big up myself, but like anyone who, who sticks around like deserves their like credit. Exactly, I think. yeah. Yeah. It do, you don't need to be massively successful or anything, but if, you know, you're having a go at doing this and like five years later you're still making music you're still doing like sets at venues of any size like that's that's really commendable because like a lot of people can't can't push through those first couple of years if things don't meet expectations or Mm. things happen in life that they're needing to balance like it it's a massive achievement to like continue as a creative artist like i think so yeah yeah. in any realm yeah and especially i think Oh, this is an excellent... We're just sidetracking from the start. I love it. I think, especially in the electronic music world where a lot of people break into their youth and sort of find electronic music and find DJing and sort of think, oh, while I get my life together, this can be my little home. Mm. And then they, a lot of people break out of it, whereas a lot of people commit to the community and commit to the cause, which I think is like a super interesting sort yeah. of thing with electronic music that happens so much because it is so community-based and it is quite... Yeah a taxing community yeah. to be involved in when you're when your favorite dj is playing from one till three in the morning it's like yeah yeah i think that's a really good point like i know that when i was a bit younger i probably saw it that way as like the the clock is counting down until this is no longer like an acceptable part of your identity <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> and that's kind of something i guess it comes like from society or like socially and or you have weird ideas of like no if I'm doing whatever job I can't be doing this at the same time or like you just have these different ideas of how your time's going to be used but like if you can find time to do any of it then that's that's great and like yeah you're never obviously never too old to DJ (laughs) (laughs) you're preaching because I I'm in that part of my life where it's like for one it's like, do I have this, like, last summer, I remember coming off to last summer and COVID was sort of starting and the events were dying down. Mm. And I just, like, remember reflecting, like, 
I do not have the legs to do another <laughs> three party weekend summer or yeah, like just because yeah. I like just loving the music and like it's just like it's so taxing oh yeah but you can you can you can retire or tone <laughs> down the um party schedule yeah. or like the like number of yeah. waking hours <laughs> per weekend you can do, you can start to transition out of that but at the same time keep keep your like interest and love of the like art yeah, form of it going yeah. always <laughs> apparently you make music of some sort <laughs> um firstly though and i think it's rude like and it's a shit question to ask and i do acknowledge <laughs> it's a shit question to ask but context is obviously really important mm. um, and we'll talk about context in different sort of ways but um, however you know these ex- I don't even want to say the word however you know the external factors of the world right now changed your opinion of song crafting or electronic music um, throughout you know the past six months or has it relatively stayed mm. the same in terms of making the music like um, obviously we've had we've had the kind of idea of a bedroom producer bedroom musician for like a long time since you know hardware and software just and like a recording setup became like really accessible um at home and obviously like yeah that a lot of producers are just putting their stuff together at home so in terms of you know material i work on by myself that's kind of the same Mm -hmm. story and then the other thing that kind of surprises some people is that, you know, I've worked on collaborations with other producers and collaborations with vocalists and um, MCs and, you know, various people. A lot of them were remote, like pre-COVID. That was yeah. like pretty standard because you, you might be reaching out to someone in another state or another country. And yeah, the the workflow can lend itself to just trading files back and forth and actually coming up with something that that's pretty good. Um, so that's, you know, very few of my collaborative tracks were actually done in person yeah. in a studio with me and that artist, like working on it. Yeah. Do you <laughs> think, yeah. do you think that that's, and I'm not talking about COVID context now I'm talking, mm. you know, cause you've been, you've been around for a little while now. Do you think that's changed? say from releasing music in 2012 where mm-hmm. it was you know where there was maybe a bit more emphasis on the real life or do you think it's always been like that since the digital age sort of presented itself no i feel like it's it's been a a trend towards more and more people doing what they can from home mm. in in terms of producing i know i do know a lot of people who you know, they're essentially, uh, they don't have the ability to, at home, to monitor as loud as they need to or want to or at the hours that would work. And, like, obviously then they're they're hiring, like, spaces. And, you know, there's there's that aspect of it that doesn't totally gel with the trend. But on the other hand, a lot of people are happy to like write on headphones are happy to write at sort of normal listening volumes you know with smaller sort of monitors you know i think like that's really becoming the norm that you're putting together tracks in a kind of bedroom context and then like in terms of 
like working with other people yeah i think there used to be more of a thing of like yeah you'll get in the studio like we're <laughs> we'll organize the studio a time, time you, yeah. like that's and that's when it's going to happen and and i guess like we we'll, we'll get on to this soon but like in terms of my album that was kind of what my labels would say it was they were like what's the yeah. What's the time frame when you're meeting with that person and mm. doing that? And it's just like uh, <laughs> 24 hours a day for the next three weeks yeah, until yeah. this song is finished. Yeah, yeah. Um, or it's just so unpredictable yeah. because everyone's doing bits and pieces on their own schedule, like yeah. at home and then emailing. Yeah. The cloud, the cloud, the cloud has changed. <laughs> it's crazy to think like the cloud has changed the world. But I don't. I don't want to really go into an IT, <laughs> unless unless you want to educate me. But I know nothing about this stuff. But it's just crazy how, even if you think about like where I work, it's like or with one of our with one of my artists I take care of. It's like if Dropbox or Google Drive didn't exist, yeah, it would be hell. And like even just like oh, there's so much to it. It's just so crazy. And Dropbox is just like as an as a I think as a platform is so under not. Dropbox, but the cloud platforms are so underappreciated mm. in how yeah. efficient the world is now. Definitely, and like they offer so much convenience in that kind of because I, you know, I was trying to move music around like pre Dropbox, and really, I mean, we transfer oh. exists existed then, but like just in situations where you know you don't you just want to quickly share something and particularly uh people who aren't artists but um other people in like the industry they don't necessarily want to download something and then like open it in itunes or whatever so like yeah the ability for them to just open a dropbox like and stream it in the browser yeah it's obviously like sped (laughs) things up kind of also moves the expectations on everyone as well that yeah. like well now like you should all be checking the drive you should all be checking the dropbox you should be yeah. doing this and that so even though it comes with convenience it kind of comes with i don't know like more effort yeah. in another way exactly yeah. i agree <laughs> and i just gotta say working editorial if anyone anyone ever <laughs> attaches music to an email yeah yeah see this is Hell. this is a problem yeah and, exactly. the, and that's like when i was you know first kind of working on stuff like that was really one of the main options you had yeah was like a gmail attachment <laughs> i don't think they let you even because now it's like now now we can stream from gmail yeah but don't tell them that <laughs> <laughs> we need sound unlisted sound links. yeah yeah <laughs> um nothing is a solo project We'll get on the title, but obviously releasing and again, shocker of a question <laughs> in re- regarding COVID. But do you think that the album will be consumed differently because of when it came out? Or do you think that naturally it'll fit the same ears in a similar sort of way, just generally? Yeah, that that's kind of a hard one because I've never, even though I've done, I've done lots of releases, I've never done one like yeah. this. And that's... It's not just because it's a a debut album. It's just because it's kind of, it's like of a particular length and in this, I guess this style where, I don't know, it's kind of, I'm, 
I would say that it's better that I'm releasing that as opposed to if I had like yeah. a kind of club four EP tracker yeah <laughs> of like dropping at in this exact yeah. window of time like I think I'm I'm lucky that it's it's this album it's this thing that I was always looking at as okay there'll be tracks on this that I can play out but more so than that the whole thing has a bit of a narrative a bit of a like flow to it yeah and it it basically needs to be able to be put on not and like this is not meant to be a bad thing but put on in the background yeah with any task like really thinking about all that stuff that because i look at those characteristics as like for albums i really like that it's like no i can't be selecting and <laughs> like djing <laughs> yeah, out of, DJing out of album, someone's yeah. album i need to like uh you know package this up in the best kind of sequence i can and, and really be thinking of it in that way and i guess that <coughs> is basically saying yeah probably you know hopefully is a bit more suited to streaming like as you know as opposed to sometimes people can feel weird about like there could be like club tracks that they really like and then at home or even just in a like spotify playlist or in an app it just seems weird yeah. to be playing it yeah. like the, the i feel i feel dirty when i start <laughs> playing like the 90s rave or, i'm like is anyone does any- something about the context yeah. is it can be a bit odd um so you know it 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 fits generally um that platform yeah i, I think. agree uh yeah it's still kind of early days in terms of like oh what playlist supporters are getting but like i mean like you know fortunately it seems like yeah a few tracks are going on various playlists and they seem to be yeah in that kind of vein of like not necessarily chill but like when you're at home or it's like yeah yeah (laughs) that kind of thing which in an essence i think is where a lot of electronic music has gone because of this sort of era where a lot of producers that know how to make really good thumping 4-4 club tracks are sort of honing their craft in in making something more and I hate this word listenable um, generally and you know and just like moving their craft from like let's make people dance so let's make a bed for people to think and create their own thing I think is super important and that's what I sort of reflected on this end, yeah, to nothing. Yeah. It, whether you were thinking about it directly being like, oh, it's going to be COVID, so I'm going <laughs> to... No, because no, I was like working on it <laughs> a long time before <laughs> that. Yeah. Um, Intuition. <laughs> well, I knew. Drew Carey knew and he told nobody. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, even though it sounds harsh, I think like listenable is kind of... I get what you're saying yeah. with that because the thing with club directed tracks yeah. is that they they almost come alive once they're mixed with something you know once they're used yeah. in the the way that they're kind of designed yeah. to be used and people use the word tool for like a yeah. simple sort of track but in a way they're all like that that it's the best comes out of those yeah. pieces of music when someone 
does something with them, blends them in a weird way or, or you know... Has it, them really over 95 decibels. Just. Yeah, yeah. Or different speed or yeah. like the the particular party or place that yeah. happens. Like there's all these other aspects of that art form of like, I guess, dance music yeah. in actual DJ sets. And, and that includes like recorded sets yeah. as well. It's just, you know, I'm... I listen to like way more like podcasts and sets than I do like Same, the yeah. dance music that's in them. Yeah. You know, I, I can appreciate that at home, like, cause you're just hearing kind of the craft and the decisions yeah. and like, it's just, yeah. I, I think the big factor is a lot of these tracks are like too long. Yeah. If, you, if you play them <laughs> like front to back. Yeah. Um, that's not to say like we, I, and like, I'm, I'm going to speak for you here, but you're going to agree. Like, we love, <laughs> these tracks like they're oh, yeah. beautiful and this brilliant. is this is what got me into what yeah. i do this is like if you if you do the analysis of every track i've made that's come out like yeah. way more of them are that than <laughs> exactly yeah. than the other kind of listening we're talking about like that's absolutely like you know it's i think it can get you into it's like a pathway into so many things because you start to appreciate like single sounds like kick drums yeah. and snares and like it gets you on this like engineering path or this or arranging path or like what how is this put together because it's it's very approachable yeah. when it's like those simple elements but like mixed and produced in the best way really? like it's um obviously extremely like creatively valuable but it's it's more i'm just sort of talking about like which context yeah. do which things thrive in yeah. you know yeah and I guess this almost answers this question, but just to get you, keep getting you talking about it. Um, do you think, I'm thinking structurally. So when you're in your head, you're thinking the structure, if you're writing a dance EP or writing any sort of EP, it might come across a bit more dancey. But do you think that tackling the structure of an album and knowing that I'm going to make an album sort of naturally geared you towards making music that was generally a bit more listenable or you know, maybe a bit more yeah. traditional in song structure? It did, but it was like a slow process because while I was aware of that, like in, you know, at times at the back of my mind, or at other times maybe at the front of my mind, but like I still sat down some days and, and wanted to like thrash out something that was not like that. Yeah. And there was a lot of writing I did that I think couldn't escape a like simpler... Or, and not even necessarily more simple, but like just pushed at that heavier, like clubby end of yeah. things. And I just had to, you know, realize like uh, that's not, it, it might be good in and of itself as a track. I might look yeah. back and be like, yeah, that was good. Like something could happen with that, but it just couldn't fit. Like yeah. it just had to, yeah, um, it had to be things that just had a particular feeling and like this ability to like sequence in and out of each other that yeah if something didn't click in that way it just yeah, yeah just had to not include it on it but the and that's totally different because with an ep i feel yeah there was like more of a license to like leap around some eps i've done like uh and this is fairly common actually like you you get in contact with someone who does like a s small label like 
like a vinyl only kind of dance yeah. thing or they they get in contact with you and they say what have you been working on and you you send a zip of 20 track if you're like really productive yeah. or maybe 10 or whatever and they they hand pick and yeah. say i reckon this is <laughs> we're a, going to print a1. on monday yeah this is the a2 this yeah. is the b side and like you don't even have to think about sequence yeah. or anything. It's like these are need to be pushed out to the like DJ world, yeah. and this, these are the ones that we pick, and we like sort of this is what we think is going to be interesting to people. And I actually liked that, yeah. you know, because it took, took took a lot of decision like effort out of my hands. Yeah. And um, yeah, there's yeah a few releases that have been like that, and and I respected the the people who were doing it yeah. as well so it it worked for me and sometimes they chose tracks i didn't expect them to choose at all and and then looking back i was like oh yeah that was a really good call this time uh yeah it was <laughs> obviously like working with soothsayer they they had their opinions on tracks but they they never said this track has to be yeah. on it they would certainly say this track probably is never going to fit it. Yeah. But they would never sort of say which ones have to be on. So at the end of the day, I had to kind of come back, um, like a few times, a bit like how you like have to draft a whole book or yeah. something. And I just be like, here it is. Like this is what it's looking like. It's it's fifteen tracks at the moment, and mm. I've changed this and this and this, and then, yeah. It's um, it was a big process. <laughs> yeah, um, we'll talk about this now, and I think the album does tackle a lot of different sounds and goes to a lot of different places, in my opinion. Um, but there is still like it flows brilliantly, and there's no real. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> there's no real. It doesn't. It, even though it does tackle a lot of sounds, there is. I think I like to call it like there's this synergy across all the tracks and the way they mm. flow. So how do you think, how did you address making sure that one flowed into two and one made sense with four and that sort of thing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's uh, a lot of trial and error with that. Mm. Um, I think like you kind of look at it like um, you can't, there's like kind of I don't know basic principles of that you see in like maybe like writing and film and all these different things that you gotta you gotta like pace yourself and you you don't put the weirdest thing or the most intense thing or like reveal things like yeah. at the start and you've got to kind of yeah I was kind of like thinking in that way where it's like the first track has to be very listenable yeah but also do, do some interesting things show that it's like it's still Joe Carey it's still yeah. like what you know I'm, what people might expect me to do yeah but like make it very very listenable and like put a lot of pressure on that opening track um, and then it's an album that has like a number of vocalists on it I think to pace it a bit before you hear the first vocalist yeah. because otherwise if you open with a track with the vocalist and a lot of people would be like I don't care about the instrumentals yeah. like I've like I don't know you didn't it's like 
deploying too much stuff yeah. too early. And so, mm. yeah, just thinking of things like that, that helped to like structure the front of it. And then really it was doing these like listens through with different track sequences. Yeah. And sometimes it's just as simple as like, as one like fades out as it ends, <laughs> like what does it sound like? If you think of the first note of the next track as like a, a bar that's part of that previous yeah. song, you know, you're kind of thinking in that way. And that, that made it really like obvious for some of the tracks. There were just really, particularly there's a, a track that I worked on with a dance hall artist, Alex A game. That's like really poppy and really down, like a down tempo track, but like, you know, maybe the more unexpected sort yeah. of sounding track out of everything. And like, I tried that one in various slots and like it was just it was really obvious yeah. which tracks it couldn't be like next to in the sequence so you just like experiment and move them around yeah <laughs> beautiful <laughs> um yeah awesome yeah. and this is this is, might be another bad question i should just give myself some more i don't credit. think they're bad questions because i seem to be like uh having a lot to say <laughs> um and you talk about film as a sort of inspiration mm. not film so much like Oh, I saw a tree and I want to write a song that sounds yeah. like that tree. <laughs> but film in the sense of structure and and I don't know if you'd would you say that the album has a narrative? Like not not in the way that I can outline a story. <laughs> but this long <laughs> story. But uh people talk about like film and theatre having like you have these like is it like an orientation mm. like establishing yeah. everything and then you have like complications and then you have like uh, conflict which uh, obviously this album doesn't really have anything <laughs> like that but like that's attention that's yeah. like the peak energy yeah and then you have things like uh, kind of like an aftermath yeah of the energy and then you kind of conclude and yeah that's I know that sounds very like general, but you could almost create a little graph yeah, exactly. of that, and that's that's the narrative. Yes, yeah. you twelve English. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Mr. Wilden. I reckon <laughs> if there was one teacher at my school that would be listening to this, would be my English teacher. So shout out to him. Who knows? Maybe yeah, and look, English like narrative arcs, like yeah, that they, they relate to. <laughs> They're awesome. Albums. <laughs> yeah, big time. I feel like school. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like, and I could just, we're, we're here now. I feel like the things people learn at school aren't so much like what you learn in the classroom that's on the textbook or on the board or in the textbook. It's so much about just like the patterns of thinking that you get put into. And like, I find it so, a lot of my tastes, whether in what I'm studying now or what I like to do now, comes so much from just the way that certain teachers or certain people at, in that environment sort of taught me patterns of thinking. Yeah. Oh, look, I think, like, having encouraging, like, teachers or, like, figures, yeah. like, I don't know, that even, yeah, just people who say, like, say that, yeah, you should write a short story, you should do this yeah. or whatever. Like, it's a, it's a big thing, actually. Like, yeah. it, it, it may not be what you go on to do, but, like... There's something it about kind it. kind of takes away that, like, friction or tension of 
trying to do something creative yeah. or like unusual if you've had like really like good teachers yeah they <laughs> when people say they're inspiring they they definitely are and it can be like way after the fact mm. that you, you kind of realize what, i feel that yeah what was inspiring about them once you start to witness what and like how other people do their jobs yeah. every <laughs> you realize that teachers were um giving a lot you know yeah <laughs> big time raise their wages teachers yeah. are so underpaid it's actually ridiculous um where did the songwriting process for the album start you said you've been writing on it for a while when you did start were you like as in i'm talking very very early stages was it like mm. i'm gonna write this record or was it just much or was it just so much being uh, i've written a couple tracks and hang on these are sort of sounding no it was nice. probably like responding to I was almost going to say the the demand, but like (laughs) the, um, the idea actually like put forward by Soothsayer. So I, I did an EP with them, like that was now four years ago and they were like, cool. We're ready. We're, we're super happy with that. (laughs) We're Um, ready for you. We're ready for you to do an album. And I was like, Oh, I don't really do albums. (laughs) Uh, or like I've, you know, I prefer working on like multiple EPs yeah. and singles like that seemed to be going great. And they're like, no, this is like you should really think about this as a step in your career in terms of actually. And even if you don't look at it as oh, like a career step, it's like a creative effort, like a, to develop yeah. you creatively in a new direction. And yeah, they it was mainly through their like encouragement and 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 offering like a deal to do an album but <laughs> a home for it is <laughs> yeah we yeah. joke about it but the home i think having a stable or not not stable a stable home <laughs> having a trustworthy home for music is so important so mm. i think even though mm. we do laugh like about that it's so true yeah absolutely because otherwise i would have thought oh is it gonna be like many 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 hours and then it's gonna like if it wasn't with them, yeah. like, is Who it going to be something that work? Yeah. will people notice it? Will it be, will it be promoted at all? Or will it be promoted in a weird way? Like, yeah. will, it, it, will it be getting to the right people? Just, will it fit into my like career thus far? Yeah. Will it, or will it be this attempt to like rebrand and pretend it almost that it's like the first bit of music yeah. from me because it's kind of that up opportunity to say oh it's yeah. a debut album so it's like yeah you well, don't need to know this yeah. other stuff but that's totally totally the opposite of soothsayer yeah. they're like no the the legacy is part of their interest yeah you know in in me and what i do and it not all of it would be things they would release but yeah. it's certainly a lot of it are the things that they like the team like personally yeah likes and so you just have like this you come in with this really good relationship where they're actually like fans of what you do and you know are excited to yeah. see what happens when you like work on something like an album so it was it was definitely through that like encouragement that came from knowing there was a home for it yeah um and then i would say i got started pretty quickly um i'm trying to think now there's probably like a few tracks on the final track list that 
um, the first demos of them were almost like end of 2016, wow. early 2017. So there are a few of them that right when they said, yeah, like, let's do an album, um, I started working on um, definitely it's a track called Boundary um, and this great artist Zello is the vocalist on that. Um, that beat was definitely in the kind of first set of beats I sent through and said look yeah. this is the kind of thing that might be on an album there are a lot of other things in, in those early folders that are not at all like the album yeah. because it's and I guess if yeah if people could see behind the scenes they would see like a like clearer like, transition yeah. of like what I was doing then um, or even earlier with like EPs like Club Injury Handbook and like singles like um elevate like so there were i actually initially wanted like a lot of grime sort of tracks Mm. on the album but what i realized it was i didn't i didn't have the ability to get them to like sequence like i just really and maybe they uh maybe it is like there are some great grime albums but that's through the personality of the like MC yeah. typically and that's like the through line really like in terms of like grime beats it's like I just had to come to a kind of realisation that at least for me maybe but like it's probably better as a single yeah. genre and like it couldn't I couldn't try and like fit every single thing I liked <laughs> onto an album yeah. so there was that realisation and it didn't stop me from demoing like many many yeah. tracks like that um yeah but but amid amid those things that are nothing like the album there were the early versions of of tracks that made it on so yeah it's almost a little over two year kind of writing process Beautiful. yeah um you said the word so we have to dig in <laughs> grime we love and the audience loves grime and parry talks what's your what's your goat grime album because i'm i'm i am a kanichiwa man yeah uh, yeah but that's a very listenable album yeah it's brilliant and but then god um godfather as well yeah i don't know it's a a thing yeah (laughs) i'd say like based on like total listens those two would probably be like up there for me i'm i mean you have like classic like dizzy yeah as well that would be up there i yeah i don't know there's so many i've that's the thing i don't my head doesn't go to albums it goes to tracks yeah. like it's just uh yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> i just when kanichiwa came out i remember at school i was like in year eight or nine and we were like flinging it on airdrop to each other like you have to listen to this record and we we're yeah, like what yeah. is going on like yeah because the British slang is so similar to the Australian slang compared to mm. when you're listening to some album, compared to when you're listening to The Chronic. And yeah, like we have yeah. no relationship to that world. But then when Skepta's rapping about yeah, black tracksuits and stuff, like that was us. Anyway. Yeah. I could talk about Skepta for years. No, that's like, Konnichiwa is definitely, definitely up there. And like some of the beats I was making that I had a fantasy of being on this album... <laughs> were were very like um Kanichiwa influenced because there was kind of a there were like beats that were like a hybrid of grime and like 
American, yeah, like I wouldn't say dirty South because people that makes people think of like the kind of clubby Atlanta yeah. stuff, but like uh, Memphis and Houston, yeah, like pre before anyone called it trap, but that those drums and that programming and like yeah, yeah like, it was um, like the old three six mafia, like yeah, mixtape era three six mafia. There's like a, a an interesting like bond between yeah those like three six mafia style beats yeah. and like grime yeah and that is an album that like synthesizes those two things together really well so i you know i tried to do some beats like that but <laughs> it's destiny maybe next maybe next maybe i'll bring the mic i'll bring this microphone to your studio and yeah. i'll rap <laughs> no never garage is doing a huge thing right now though yeah it's yeah. it's i think if if any and like aj tracy's done it um but oh just there's i think the next global just like monster hit will be a garage record like it has mm, to be mm. i don't know it's just but with a with an mc or with i hope it's singer. with an mc yeah because or both maybe maybe both <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. but yeah i think that that's like i feel like the world is just ready for a big feel good two-step record yeah definitely um there's there's like a kind of a feel good to step record on on this album yeah my album <laughs> um i've worked with an amazing artist down in melbourne francesca gonzalez um and she doesn't i don't think she had done like you know features or top yeah. lines over those kinds of tracks or with like um a clubby sort of producer and yeah it was this total like uh random email that i sent yeah. and you know very fortunate that she got back to me and yeah it's um it's an interesting track because it's like it's very bouncy and sunny in the beat but then she kind of wrote lyrics <laughs> that were like quite negative which i loved that it was like not, i love that it's not, not the yeah. <laughs> um like the anticipated tr- yeah like stereotypical lyrics yeah, yeah. um let's go because i read that shout out to emma and purple sneakers but there was super interesting dial conversation there about collaboration and the way traditionally collaboration is used in electronic music but and especially with the title of this album nothing is a solo project mm-hmm. um collaboration is clearly something that you take a lot of care for and think about a lot so how do you think you overcame the whole sort of idea that you know you just send someone a beat and they do the top line and then it's done or how do you how did you you know I'm trying to find the word, like, just make the collaborations useful and emotional mm. and, and you know, I'm, I'm yeah, lost for yeah. sort of I, I, I get what you're getting at. It's kind of like, because I sort of come along and say, look, everyone who's on this, they did more than just, or yeah. just sing. Like, yeah. <laughs> and, and it's one thing to say that. It's another thing to like, well, what does that mean? Like, yeah. in terms of the process and how did I encourage that? Um, I think right from the outset, uh, making it clear that the beat is—it's not so much a beat; it's a—it's like an arrangement. It's yeah. a set of stems. It's a set of ideas. That's all open to suggestion, and it's—it's it's actually I found it more often than not like people have experienced producing their own stuff, or you know they've certainly had play around in Ableton or something and they've got ideas they're not 
they're not just like a trained vocalist that comes in to do yeah. sessions they've got you know a lot of their own thoughts on what they can do with like beats so making that clear of like this is open like um things can be deleted things can be moved around yeah uh and then also i i might say that and then they're like yeah okay and then not necessarily have it yeah. and still Just not it, still yeah. not feel like saying or, or maybe not you know they don't want to like <laughs> they might be intimidated to say, yeah, there's like this bizarre bit that you need to cut. <laughs> <What is this? laughs> yeah. um, but then you can have this like uh, sort of process where they take the beat and, and write to it and record to it and maybe do different options and like different takes that aren't like just about that aren't actually bounced to it. Yeah. Um, there's kind of a story that's told in there takes yeah <laughs> and in what you get back and in, in how they've uh tackled this task of yeah. like working with a beat someone else made for them and you can realize things like oh the way the bass moves does not lend itself like to a change in like like a harmonic change yeah. or what they want to do like the bass is not moving enough or it's doing something weird or it you did something like that was like a bit of a passing note out of key and it's like messing with what they're doing and could be technical like that but could be more creative but you like i like review the beat in light of what they've done and there can be like major changes particularly in the bass lines but like really in the chords in anything if if they've sung something that's like kind of going in this other direction I would then follow it and like you know we have this great flexibility in like um, audio workstation kind of software where it's like a lot of the time it's like MIDI and that's that's just easy for me to kind of go back in and completely rewrite to support what they've done yeah so even when someone might think oh I didn't I didn't say anything to draw about changing the beat like they did contribute yeah. because I t- like listened back after what they had done. Yeah, yeah. So that's, those are some of the ways that like that actually filters into the creation of the whole track. Yeah. Um, and then even in, in one case with the, there's a track called act like your home. One of the artists I worked with on that Benny moon, he, um, he asked for the stems and like wanted to write some yeah. additional synth parts and like just play around with them while he was writing so essentially like i think almost like building up from the drums only he kind of created his own other idea of a track and it's like you and he was like you can take whatever you want and reintegrate it back in and like so that was that was a bit more like a like a producer collab as well yeah beautiful and it's called nothing is a solo project and there are songs on the album without features so what um either you know practically mm. or conceptually what makes those tracks not solo efforts yeah. that's a really good question it's like a good <laughs> it's a good point because <laughs> um yeah they would they would appear to be me just tinkering away but um i actually was thinking of like what i wanted to attribute in terms of those tracks and 
there are like and I you know I want to work on like a, a blog post or something to like put it out there specifically but yeah. like there are really talented um, sample creators yeah. there are like in like individuals companies studios um, they put together like loops uh, and often like so yeah people might be saying yeah but what's so great about that can't you do that yourself loops maybe of like a bunch of rare percussion instruments that they've like tracked live at a nice studio to yeah. analog tape and you you can use it without you you pay a one-off thing for a zip download <laughs> um through paypal and that's it like they they don't they're not cut into the recording or the publishing it's like this license for you to to use it yeah and and that's the kind of sample library industry i don't know if, yeah people probably don't necessarily like know a lot about that that's like because sampling people go to in their mind they probably go to like an old jazz record flipping yeah. something yeah. that is another piece of commercially released music yeah. um that's sort of riskier and riskier as like technology becomes yeah. better at automatically detecting you doing <laughs> that um <laughs> but the uh the thing anyone who's interested in sampling should should look into is the various avenues for like legitimate yeah. kind of uh use of other people's recordings um so i kind of wanted to talk about that or like mention that yeah. and the there are I think on most of the instrumental tracks, there are actually vocal samples. Yeah, sample. and, th and those come from, again, those kind of packs that you, that you just sort of buy and then you can use them in whatever context. But I guess the drawback of it is, um, or the thing to think about is um, everyone has access to them. Everyone can pay the 20 bucks or 40 bucks. Uh, so if you are like wow this vocal hook's amazing and you use it exactly as it is in that yeah. sample pack someone else can come along and then you've, you've got two people doing something that sounds the same so i tried to do weird things effects wise like chop them up yeah. um there's a couple of tracks where uh you know there's a particular session vocalist in the sample pack and i've like moved words around from different lines that yeah. they've done, like kind of creating new phrases. And a lot of them I tried not to have the actual lyrics necessarily something you can like yeah. make out clearly. Um, and that's probably like a a bit of a like burial influence, like that, cause that, you know, burial stuff had a huge impact on me. Like when I was first getting into like, you know, discovering all this like UK electronic music. Um, and this idea of like a, a vocal that you can hear it's like a it is a line of something but like you can't totally make yeah. it out and that can be kind of cool because it, it just gives an emotional feeling without dictating too much of what's going on yeah so yeah just grabbing stuff using it in that way like combining a lot of different sample library vocals to like layer them together or have them interact with each other yeah that's um, yeah so it it encourages you to get creative because you know um other people have these <laughs> exactly yeah it's not a solo project because yeah. <laughs> i'll use the loops you use the yeah. loops. we all have the same songs at the end of the day yeah, yeah. well we're at 50 minutes oh wow who would have thought 
couple questions I like asking as well. If you had a podcast, you hosted a podcast by yourself or with guests other than music, what would it be? And what's your secret passion or love for? Oh, yeah. Man. <laughs> I'm definitely like a, a bit of a comic book nerd. Oh, here we, yeah, nice. <laughs> I'd probably be able to talk about that a bit. Um, <laughs> I, I wouldn't make a great host at it because it's only something I'm getting into lately. But like uh, I am getting into like code and, nice. and particularly for like data kind of management and <laughs> things and analysis so that there are like some good good podcasts around that i i yeah i wouldn't have much authority on that <laughs> comic books are the sort of thing where i haven't properly engaged with but like in the back of my mind or like once this can of worms opens it is game <laughs> over i mean yeah yeah definitely and like i don't i haven't like bought any for a long time but i i actually you know i download them like still to like check out yeah i don't know i i'm really into actually like 90s comics like yeah getting people's like high quality scans of yeah. like these like intense yeah. 90s artwork yeah awesome <laughs> i feel like yeah a lot of the even a lot of the parry talk stuff is so comic inspired yeah for sure yeah yeah <laughs> i feel like a lot of it's a lot of dance music stuff is in like the rawness and the grunginess of a lot of the 90s record yeah sort of. And like the the label art, yeah, like Beat definitely up. has it happening, yeah. <laughs> Intersectionality. <laughs> um, uh, this is you might not even have an answer to this, but a couple of previous Parry Talks guests are very passionate about their favourite fast food in Sydney. Oh yeah. What's your favourite fast food vendor? Yeah. Um, I'm like. It would be like a betrayal to say anything other than um, <laughs> the the place I like frequent the most. Um, I had it last night. What is it? <laughs> Which is um, the tension. <laughs> it is a uh, Clem's chicken oh, shop. Okay, okay, that's fine. We'll take that. That's that's correct. Yeah. That's correct. The goat. Like, yeah, I I I know some people will be like, oh, that seems like really like like really basic like place or whatever like no, don't nah, don't if anyone has any issues with clams they can come <laughs> to the lord gladstone hotel this is where we record i'll probably be i usually drink here on a monday night <laughs> not drink but i'm usually here on a monday night playing trivia if you have yeah. a problem with clams come here and say it to my face and, and i would say like for the people who don't know it is it is a, a chicken takeaway shop it they have both you know barbecue kind of roast chickens but the thing to get in my opinion is is their fried chicken yeah. oh. Yeah. And this is like this this place you walk in and while you're waiting for your food they feed you tenderloins. Yeah. If there if there <laughs> appears to be the mildest wait for yeah. you to like put an order in, you're you're about to get some like free hot chicken strips. Like you know if that isn't great customer service. You know what's know. changed the game <laughs> though? Up walk a bit further up King Street, Oljana's there. Yeah. Which is a game um, changer. I, and look, I admit I've been I've been there a few times. You've been since cheating. It <laughs> yeah. Does that mean that you automatically get KFC when we're talking about the big chains, or does that change things? Like, no, probably. I think you're right. To, <laughs> your your assumption is correct. Correct. correct <laughs> uh, I haven't had it for a while, but 
yeah, look, no, nah, got to be honest. If if yeah, if someone gave me the choice of like the major franchise yeah. options, yeah, that's probably that's probably what I'm going with. It's all I, correct answers. I'm glad to hear you say that. I think like some people don't <laughs> don't agree. <laughs> Who gets macas voluntarily? Who eats that anyway? No, that's like that's the mainstream option. It's so weird. No, that's it's it's popular. <laughs> um, another one, a goat. This is like the last, like, oh, fast fire question. Um, goat, like a mix or a boiler room that just has a special place in your heart. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Because mm. I, I like keep, like, I have like an archive of like, like 500 files yeah. of like my favorite DJ mixes. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. That's a really tough. <laughs> it doesn't really have to be one. one. What what just sticks out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's some. Um, so there's a few like. Yeah, I'm gonna give some like maybe lesser known picks that people can kind of check out, like look up their SoundClouds. But there's uh, a DJ. His name's John K. J O N, and then just like the initial K. Okay. Yeah, he uh, he's in the UK and he doesn't. He's not a producer. He just, yeah, just a selector and like definitely check out. He's done things for various like mix series and he did like a, a cassette like for the trilogy tapes, I think at one point. Um, kind of like Ben UFO. Yeah. Um, in his like eclectic kind of selection. So there's like a couple of John K mixes. Uh, there's, um, if you're into techno and like uh, W or like, I don't know, like ethereal kind of stuff. There's another DJ like Nick Craddock, like C R A Double D O C K. Um, yeah, they're they're two guys who's like mixes I definitely have spent a lot of time listening to. Um, yeah. Oh, it's tough. I would have like would have got out my like folder <laughs> and my like ranking before I came, but like there's a couple of recommendations of it's it's definitely the point to just stitch someone up and put someone on the spot with that question. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> once, um, I think it was Cassettes for Kids, this DJ from Melbourne. He was like, what are yours? And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You don't yeah, ask yeah. the questions here, man. Yeah, I yeah. The <laughs> <laughs> you don't um, get to turn that yeah, around. You can't. <laughs> um, Joe Carey. Nothing is a solo project out now. Go stream it constantly. Just on loop. Yeah, yeah. When just you go to bed at night. <laughs> Put it on mute and sort of stream it over and over again. Yeah, I'm not like I'm not necessarily endorsing that because I don't. <laughs> I'll I, endorse I, it because <laughs> I think like I'm sure like Spotify is like starting to clock like if the volume's on zero, will we record the stream? <laughs> like, but if they haven't, uh, then yeah, go for it. <laughs> Pay Drew Carey's next Clem's feed by streaming his album. Yeah, that's. I think like <laughs> month to month, like I t- probably can get a Clems. <laughs> That's perfect. That's all that matters. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, like one or two from, um, yeah. But you you could increase that number of Clems feeds. <laughs> Clog his arteries. <laughs> um, Drake, thanks so much for coming on. Oh, uh, thank you. It's really great to chat. Woo.